Very cool. Well, we've, of course, been talking about faith and work, um, and I uh, want to get very, very practical this morning uh, in defining some of these things that we have uh, mentioned just a little bit, and uh, so let's dive right in. Joshua, um, last week, read this verse, and so we're going to uh, read this again, and then at the end of the service, we're going to go back to the passage right before here. Uh, when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives. And he gave gifts to men. And he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of, the, of service to the building up of the body of Christ. Here's that list again. We're going to take a look at each one of these. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors or shepherds um, and teachers. Um, we'll get to explain the pastors and shepherds thing in here in just a minute. But this is commonly referred to as the five-fold ministry. You guys ever heard that term before? Um, and uh, uh, they usually we, we talk about these in the context of the church. They're not actually only for the church, uh, however. And we're going we're gonna to broaden that this morning. We often say here, uh, Joshua made a big point of this again last week, that you are in full-time ministry. It's not just us. You are in full-time ministry. So what, what that means, practically speaking, is uh, uh, it doesn't mean, obviously, that you're up on stage talking to people. And you know that. This is why we have to bring more clarity to this. What does it actually look like then? Um, our job, here, here's where my job is going to differ from your job, okay? The job of the, the uh, pastoral ministry of the church, or just leadership of the church, is to equip you guys to do the work of the ministry. Now, we also do the work of the ministry, but our job, according to what Paul is saying, is to equip you guys. Um, now, why, why is that? Well, you see, we can't really minister to your golfing buddies. We can't really minister to your coworkers. We can't really minister to your family members or, you know, your fellow essential oils enthusiasts. Do you know Why? Because we don't know them. So there has been a paradigm for a long time that it's, well, that it's, man, if you want, you want to talk to somebody about Jesus, you have to bring them to the church because that's where that happens. And then what happens is that becomes a complete bottleneck for the kingdom advancing in individual lives. We, <clears throat> that's way too big a job for, uh, for us, right? It's silly. So our job is to equip you guys to do the work of the ministry wherever you're at. Does that make sense? Now, we're talking about these things as the five-fold ministry gifts. And what I want to tell you this morning is these things are in operation not only in the church, but in you guys and in your specific context. And we're going to give all of that some definition this morning. So <clears throat> let's, uh, let's take a look. First of all, in a church setting, I'm going to be referencing um, all, all this, these summaries come from Permanent Revolution. It's a book by Alan Hirsch and some others. Sort of a, a, a church uh, practice and theory book. It's very good. Um, but just to give credit where credit is due, he's defining these in some pretty cool ways. So first of all, the apostle. An apostle, of course, we hear that word and we immediately think Paul. Here's how Hirsch describes it, and I really like this. A pioneer, an entrepreneur, or custodian of the DNA. Okay, so we're looking not just in church settings. Now we're looking at in broad, you know, broad uh, strokes here what these things are. Um, so custodian of the DNA. Now here, further uh, explanation here. An entrepreneur, he's the innovator 
and cultural architect who initiates a new product or service and develops the organization. Now think about that in terms of the Apostle Paul, and this makes a lot of sense. Um, apostles love to start new ventures and reproduce groups. They are perfect for getting things moving and getting people committed to a mission. Again, if you look at Paul, that perfectly describes what he's doing, going around starting up uh, church after church after church and, and providing them with that the core DNA of what the church actually is. Now, I'm going to show a whole bunch of examples this morning and a bunch of pictures. You will like some of these people, and you probably won't like some other people. That's not the point, okay? I just want to let that you know ahead of time. I'm not saying everything about all these people is awesome. There's going to be some that you might go, ooh, I don't like that person at all. Totally fine. I'm not saying you need to. I'm not even saying I do. I'm just trying to show you this is how they function. Are you with me there? Okay, so we don't need to have, like, conversations about this tomorrow. Of, like, you put up a picture of them. Like, you know what? I'm not interested in hearing it because it was an example. <laughs> Got it? Cool. All right. Here we go. Now, <clears throat> although, you know, early on here, these are going to be pretty cool people. All right. Uh, Lauren Cunningham is a perfect example of an apostle. Lauren Cunningham is the founder of Youth with a Mission. He uh, really jump-started an entire short-term missions movement around the world, and YWAM is still the biggest one of this day. Okay, they're in every single nation. He's a, you know, total definition of an apostle. Um, Christine Kane, she uh, uh, is, is a real leader in the, the international women's ministry movement. She does all kinds of stuff with Hillsong and Propel and A21 and all these different things. Uh, another one I think would be uh, Bill Johnson, who's a, a you know a, a kind of a pioneer and a leader in the uh, charismatic movement around the world. Um, so there you go. That is just a quick clip of an apostle. Now let's look at evangelist. <coughs> evangelist is a connector to the cause or a recruiter. Um, and here's how Hirsch says that: a communicator, uh, a recruiter to the organization who markets the idea or product and gains loyalty to a brand or cause. Now again, he's speaking corporate uh, application here. But look at how this works. Evangelists fill the group and lead people to Jesus in a, in a uh, Christian context. They're perfect for inviting lots of people to the mission and sharing stories. So they're, they're different than the apostle. The apostle is usually the one that steps out as the entrepreneur, you know, as, as the leader of a thing. And <clears throat> the evangelists are, are ones who like to spread the word and say, join, you know, join the movement, join this thing. Um, evangelists, uh, two great modern examples here, Luis Palau. Um, who's ministered to like, I don't know how many hundreds of millions of people over his lifetime. He has stage four cancer right now. So we're praying that he makes a recovery. But an incredible man of God who has been that, you know, the definition of an evangelist. Another one is Ravi Zacharias, uh, who goes all around the world and shares his faith in university settings. And uh, I think is a, a real definition of that as well. Let's go, keep going. Prophet. Prophet, a guardian of the covenant, a questioner of the status quo. Now, for each one of these, we have to break this down a little bit and, and, and not jump to, like, the most obvious thing. The most obvious thing for prophet might be the Old Testament Elijah wagging his finger at a king, right? That's not really what we're talking about. We're also not necessarily talking about somebody who's always giving words of knowledge, okay? We're looking at more of a wiring idea here, okay? Um, the questioner, the provocateur a lot of times, who probes awareness and fosters questioning of current programming leading to the organizational learning, okay? There's a very thick definition there, but I think it's interesting. Prophets keep things focused on God in a, in a spiritual sense, keep on, on God and the spiritual life of the community. They are perfect to provoke and challenge assumptions. I think that's one of the biggest things about a prophet. So think of Elijah pointing up at Ahab going, you're doing this a certain way and this is wrong. You have introduced Baal worship, and it's not just incorrect, it's wrong. There's a lot of times a justice 
uh, you know, focus attached with prophets. Um, so that would be uh, people like uh, Martin Luther King, I think, would be a wonderful example of this, right? Um, and, you know, more current, you might say somebody like uh, Lou Engel, um, who, you know, he speaks a lot in the pro-life movement, and, uh, and I would say Francis Chan would be another one. Are you guys familiar with Francis Chan? Anyone, anyone see Francis Chan speak last week? Okay, over at uh, First Baptist or Willamette? Yeah, we got to go, and uh, we actually got to meet him the next morning, some of us. He's a wonderful man of God, but he's always saying, what does the scripture say? Are we doing it? And, and let's come back to the heart of the gospel. Are we missing, or the way we're doing church, is that, is that the heart of the gospel? And that's constantly what he's doing. You see, that's what a prophet does. Pastor. Now, you have to be careful with this term because this term is used in way too broad a sense. Today, the term pastor means somebody in church leadership, but that's not what it actually is. Okay, that has nothing to do really specifically with the fivefold ministry. They've just condensed it and called it this one thing. Pastor traditionally is, it means shepherd. In fact, in you know, most languages, that's what you're going to get. That perfect equivalent is shepherd. So we're looking at it not in the sense of professional pastor, but in the sense of a nurturer, humanizer, sustainer, people-oriented, motivator, who fosters healthy relational environment through, manage, through the management of meaning. That's a good term there, isn't it? The management of, of meaning. Pastors help meet the needs of the community and make sure there's harmony amongst everyone. They are perfect for keeping the group intact and healthy. Okay, let's look at some examples here. Mother Teresa, <laughs> don't you think? See that? Now, she's not up preaching a sermon, but she's exhibiting the heart of a shepherd to, to the entire world in a way that, uh, you know, we haven't seen the likes of in the modern world, right? I would say Max Lucado, the writer, I think is very pastoral. Uh, he's, you know, written all these bestsellers, but they're all very much focused on nur the nurture of the soul and, and forgiveness and, and, and fostering deep relationship with the Lord. Another one I would say, uh, Eugene Peterson. He was the one who translated the message. And he's, he, his nickname is actually The Pastor because he's so about caring for individual souls. Um, so those are uh, three good examples there. And finally, teacher. Uh, trainer, translator, mediator of wisdom and understanding. Often uh, the philosopher, a systems thinker who is able to clearly articulate the organizational ideology in a way as to advance corporate learning. Again, that's, that's sort of in a corporate environment here. Uh, teachers make sure there is good orthodox teaching taking place in, in a church environment. They're perfect for making sure everyone understands what's going on uh, and learning the important truths of the faith. So this is the, probably the easiest one to think of examples when I'm in a church setting. The first one that comes to mind for me right now is Tim Keller, who is definitely one of the leading teachers um, in all of Christendom right now. Uh, Beth Moore is another one, a uh, fantastic, gifted teacher. Uh, Tony Evans is another one, who may be the most dynamic speaker I've ever heard um, in person, especially. Incredible messenger of the gospel. So there's where you see these things working um, in the church. So here we are, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, or shepherd, uh, and teachers. So we, uh, as you know, a Christ-centered pastoral team. See, there's that word again. You can't really get rid of it. That's the problem. And try to say leader and things like that. Joshua actually refers to himself as the senior leader, which is a good start in that. Um, but it's hard to just get rid of the term pastor in that, in that context. But we uh, really aim to have a five-fold, you know, thing going on here. And uh, like Joshua, I don't know if you guys start thinking now, 
specifics. If Joshua is any one of these, uh, which he's a combination like all of us, but he's definitely an apostle, right? He's the risk taker. He's the one who's like chomping at the bit to go and do something awesome. And, uh, uh, and he's networking all over the, all over the place. Uh, he is sort of that picture, definitely, and, and, and leads in that way. Um, I would say we have a, a real prophetic voice on our pastoral staff with Red Crab. Because Red Crab is always bringing us back to the Word and what does God actually say. And this is what the Holy Spirit's been speaking. And, 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 and always keeping us there so we're not running off in some other direction that we're just excited about. Evangelists, I, I'll be honest with you, I think we're weaker on evangelists than any other point here in our pastoral staff. And, and we're really trying to grow in that area. Um, all, all of us have different ways that we operate in that. But none of us is like our, our core strength. Uh, pastors, I would say this is Janelle. Janelle is very much the, the, she always knows what's going on in the lives, in so many of your lives, and we find out what's happening in your lives because Janelle already knows and she's been praying for you. So that's, I think she really operates very well in that gifting. Uh, and then teachers, I would say, I would definitely put myself in that category, and Jeff Starr um, also in that. Jeff actually was probably the most evangelistic of all of us as well. I would actually maybe say he might be stronger in that one even than teaching. Um, so I would, yeah, actually, I, I, I'm going to switch. I was thinking about that this morning. Anyway, so there's just an example of how that works together. But that's just in a church context, okay? As I keep saying, these gifts are not exclusively in operation inside the walls of a church. So I didn't get a teacher name tag on the day that I was ordained, okay? That, that isn't something that just happens. Nobody gets, oh, the day you get ordained, now you get a special gifting, this is already a thing that's built into a person, and, and they come with And so if you're ministering in a church, you're bringing those things. I want to suggest that these things are common in every single one of us. And it's important for you to understand that, because these are gifts of ministry. So, these uh, are, are in operation in every sphere of culture. So I'm going to give you some, some different examples now of each one of these that have nothing to do with church, Okay? Get you thinking outside the box a little bit. Uh, apostle. Let's think of some, some cultural apostles here. Mark Zuckerberg. Can you see that? Of course, the founder of Facebook. He's one of the, really one of the most influential men in the world right now. And it wasn't just that he had a new idea and became rich. It's that this idea became a whole movement. And because of Mark Zuckerberg in large part, social media is a huge part of our world now, for better or for worse. Okay, again, for, for all of these, it's better or for worse. I'm not saying that they're doing what the Holy Spirit said. I'm not saying it's all good. I'm just saying that's the way he's operating, okay? Um, another one would be uh, Martha Stewart. Okay, again, better or for worse. But what her whole thing is not just, uh, oh, here's here, buy this. Her whole thing is like this whole lifestyle. It's a lifestyle of elegance and of cooking well and of decorating well. And that's why she's got this whole, you know, big brand that covers all these different aisles in Target, you know. Um, and uh, another one I would say would, would be Steve Jobs. Okay, he definitely, I, when I, I'll tell you, when I um, first started using, I've been a, a Mac guy for a long time. And it was like, I think, 2000 when I first bought a, a Mac laptop. And that was like maybe 5% of the computers were Apple then. And it was always frustrating because you were trying to find software that worked with it. And now it's completely reverse, um, in large part because of the smartphone, 
which he introduced. So it wasn't just about buying this thing. It was this whole new world and a whole new mode of operation. That is an apostolic thing that Steve Jobs did. Again, for better or for worse. There's some great things about it. There's been some drawbacks, but that's the way he operates. Um, let's look at evangelists. <coughs> I would say Bono from U2. Now, uh, he... If you think of Bono now, maybe some of you young guys don't even know who this is, but some of us have been fans for a long time, okay? But if you think of what, but where Bono shows up, it's less on stage now, and it is always raising funds or raising awareness for one cause or the other. For example, uh, uh, AIDS in Africa. I, he, helped, he was, you know, instrumental in raising uh, literally billions of dollars for, for uh AIDS in Africa, this kind of stuff. He'll see a thing and he'll say, everybody rush to this thing and look at the importance of this thing and passionately share that. I would say another one is Mike Rowe. Seriously, go with me on this. Some of you guys know who this is, right? Everybody likes Mike Rowe, right? I think he's sort of a guy that was like, yeah, I like that guy pretty much. Now, I, I've never even seen his show. I've only seen little bits and little bits when he's talking. You know, he, he's an evangelist for hard work. Don't you think? Because he's not saying, come buy my thing. He's saying, work hard, and it's worth it. Even if your hands are dirty, if your whole body's doing this, you know what? It's just work hard, and everywhere you see him, that's what he's saying. Okay? Prophet. Rosa Parks. Woo! Right? Yeah, I think that's a pretty obvious one right there. If it wasn't for the courage and going against the status quo, the question of the status quo, <clears throat> and again, the justice piece, um, you wouldn't see... Uh, well, our world would look very different than it does today. Um, I would say, again, we're, we're looking for better or for worse here, right? Better or for worse. I am not endorsing all of these people, although I am endorsing Rosa Parks. So, Bob Dylan. Think about, now some of you guys who know a little bit about the whole Vietnam era and the whole movement for him to stand outside of the, the norms of the culture and sort of lead a whole bunch of people outside the norms of the culture to stand and say, hey, we're not doing things right in the way that he did. Um, <laughs> he led a whole generation against a, a, a way that things were happening. Don't you, do you see what I'm saying there? Okay. Uh, think of another, I was trying to think of more examples of this without getting political because so many of these examples are political and I'm afraid you guys would just shut me down no matter how many times I said, for better or worse, you would still think, are you promoting that person? I'm like, no, I'm not. So I picked somebody in between that everybody can sort of have really mixed feelings about. Ron Paul. <laughs> Here's a guy who stands outside the political mainstream. In fact, that's kind of his thing. Right? Right doesn't like me. Left doesn't like me. I stand. And, and he, he does very much challenge the status quo. You might disagree with him, but he's going and asking these questions that nobody else is even talking about and saying, is this even right? And people are going, actually, I don't know. Well, yes. Well, no. Well, you're wrong. And it's just, it's very interesting to watch a person like this that questions the norm. Okay? You guys all still love me? You understand what I'm saying, right? Okay. <laughs> Pastor, Oprah Winfrey. Okay, don't you think this is true? Talk about somebody whose whole, uh, her whole ethos is like the nurture of the heart, isn't it? I mean, this is, when, if, if someone sits down, if somebody, Oprah doesn't interview them, they, she sits down with people. You know what I mean? Like, they sit down on the couch, and say, how are you doing? And then they just like, oh, it's just that, I just, I know, yes, we'll be right back. You know, this, and she's amazing at it, right? Here's another one, Nelson Mandela, from a uh, larger cultural perspective. Because when Nelson Mandela uh, uh, 
you know, came into office in South Africa. His entire mission was to bring reconciliation between white and black race in South Africa. It was a beautiful thing, right? It was all, of, it wasn't about policy. He wanted the nation to heal, and he did everything he could to see that happen. Um, Mr. Rogers, seriously, I am absolutely serious about this. First of all, everything I've heard about him, I, I never watched him when I was a kid, but everything I've heard about this man as a man, really stellar stuff. Like, he really was this father figure. He was a father figure for millions of children who didn't have fathers, first of all. And for others who did. And he was just, he was another, like a nurturing, his whole thing was nurturing. Be my neighbor. I like you, you know, this whole, this whole thing. That is the essence of like somebody operating in a pastoral wiring or gifting, okay? So, finally, teacher. Bobby Flay. Right? Okay, some of you guys don't know who he is. Uh, he's, he's, he's on like the Food Network, right? He's on all these different shows um, now, I, I, this is not quite the world that I usually am in, but I have seen him before, and he's, he's very much on showing people how to do a thing. He's an incredible chef. I guess he kind of majors on the grill, doesn't he? Anyway, but he loves uh, uh, to explain to the audience and to people he's working with how to do a thing. He's not like those, the guys who just reams somebody out for ratings, so that, that one guy who just yells at you like crazy. No, he's like wanting to actually show you how it's done and show the audience how it's done, and so that we can all be, you know, better chefs, which is pretty cool. Um, I would say, <laughs> I would, I'm going to put this guy here too. All right, who knows who that is? Just raise your hand. Okay, all right. A small percentage of you. Greg Popovich, he's the coach of the San Antonio Spurs. He is, I think he's the best NBA coach of all time. But, you know, Phil Jackson people out there, I understand. The reason why I think I would put him in here, so follow me if you're not sports fans. He has so many coaches, so many people who have been coaches and players under him that are now coaches in the NBA and who have won championships. And it's because of his, his influence. It's not, it's, he's not just a strategist. He's a teacher. He passes on uh, uh, the, the DNA. He translates the complexities of basketball into a way that can be taken, and people can take it and run with it and win. Okay? So, again, you don't have to now be a celebrity to have any of these gifts. I know, you know, I'm saying you don't have to be in the church, and then I'm showing all these people who have these global things that they're doing, right? But they are just normal people who have ascended into different ranks. They are people who have fivefold ministry giftings just like you just like all of us. I would wager uh, every single one of you probably has a combination of these, these gifts. Let me give you a workplace scenario, okay? Suppose you have a coworker and his name is Ned. Ryerson. The app, uh, <laughs> what, what if you find out that it's Ned's birthday okay you find out that it's Ned's birthday now you're gonna have different people around him that are gonna spring into action in different ways okay the Apostle finds out it's Ned's birthday there he is the Apostle says it's Ned's birthday this is fantastic we are having a birthday lunch we're going to Sabai I'm gonna call right now and get a table this is amazing we're going to Sabai Yes, happy birthday, Ned, and thank you for having a, having a birthday. Okay? The evangelist says, lunch? Sweet! Everybody, we're going to lunch! And they walk up and down the cubicles. Do you have lunch plans? Do you have lunch plans? Do you have lunch plans? We're going to lunch. It's Ned's birthday. Yeah, Ryerson, we're going to lunch. Okay? 
and they're recruiting. And, and they're happy about it because they like, isn't Ned the best? Ned's the best. Doesn't he deserve a good lunch? Let's do it together, okay? The prophet says, hey, look, um, I know we want to celebrate Ned's birthday, but I'm not sure about this. We got a deadline, guys. We got a lot of work to do today, and this lunch is going to take a little bit longer. So I'm sorry to be a wet blanket, but I kind of think maybe we should think about it. The shepherd, in the meantime, isn't listening to any of this. He's just putting his arm around Ned going, do you even want to go out to lunch? <laughs> and if you do, do you want to go to Sabai? We could do Red Robin, and they're, everyone's going, come on, Red Robin? He's going, it's Ned's birthday. It's his birthday. It's not your birthday. Leave Ned alone. Okay, that's the pastor. Man, that also is my friend Janae McWilliams, completely. She's not, a, she used to come second circuit. Anyway, I was talking with her about it this week. I'm like, I can totally see her in that scenario. I'm like, oh, stop it. Oh, it's not your birthday. It's Ned's. And then you have the teacher. The teacher says, does everyone know how to get to Sabai? I'll text you, I'll text you the address, okay? By the way, it's not actually strictly a Thai place. It's more Pacific Rim. And do you guys like hot stuff? Okay, it's really hot. I'm just telling you. It's really hot, because they're translating out all the pertinent information about it. Okay, that's what happens. And, and maybe they go, and, and, and maybe they don't. In fact, if, if any one of these is dominating too much, then things are going to end up getting weird, you know? If, if, it's, if it's the teacher that's dominating this scenario, you're going to have way too many options, to, and then you're going to end up being too late, and you're going to have to order in, okay? If you have the pastor, it's just like, you know, ends up in a little session of deep talk and everyone else is gets kicked, ticked off and they go in and get their, their brown bags and come out and sit down anyway, right? The apostle just runs ahead of everyone. They don't even know where he went, right? <laughs> you get the point. <clears throat> so that's the way this works. Now, I want you to think, where are you in this grid? Maybe you've already thought through this before, but where, where are you here? Paul told Timothy, his protege, therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. And I want to ask you, what is the gift that he's put in you? What is that thing? What, what needs to be stirred up? Because you guys have these things. You might just think, oh, I don't know. I'm just good at my job and and that's all I'm good at. And I say, no, that's not true. That's not true. You're not just good at the thing you do. God's put things inside of you. And maybe you've seen them before and are walking in them. So please, you know, maybe you're doing it already and that's wonderful. But I think there are some of you who have really shortchanged yourselves. And that's a bummer. That's a bummer for you, but it's also a bummer for your coworkers because you're called to be bold, to not walk in fear, but to be bold in the things that you have and the things that he's given you. Are you being... Are you being faithful with the gifts that God has given you? False humility doesn't help here. Well, false humility doesn't help anywhere, actually. But it really doesn't help here. Because then you end up going, I've got nothing to give. Who am I? And God's saying, you're my son, you're my daughter, come on! In a wonderful way. So what is the thing that he's put inside of you? What are the gifts he's given Maybe, maybe you have the gift of an apostle, but you haven't really led. 
Maybe you're a natural risk taker. You're natural. You see all these things. You're like, this could happen. You can see these maybe in a work context. And you're like, man, there's a different way to do this. And I have a really great idea. And I really want to jump. Maybe you do it in that context even. Maybe you're always leading the charge on new ideas. But you haven't thought about putting these in a kingdom context. You haven't thought about actually loving your neighbor the way Jesus would ask you to love with that gift. Maybe you're gifted like a prophet and your heart just aches for justice and holiness, but you never speak out. You know, that, that gift falls dormant if you don't speak out. Maybe you see somebody and, and, and the Lord really does speak to you a lot and you just know and you, you see, you know a thing that a person needs, maybe a word of encouragement or even a, a, a little bit of a, as Janelle would say, a spanking and a hug that they need, right? But you're too afraid to do it. Maybe you're an evangelist, but you don't evangelize. You know what I mean by, here, here's a great picture of a person who's an evangelist right here. Do you, when you see a good movie or when you read a book, does everybody around you know about it? When you go see, like, you've got to see Black Panther, it's unbelievable, and then you go and people are like trying to stop you so you don't give all the spoilers away. There's a good chance you might be naturally an evangelist. But ha do you talk about the things of the kingdom ever? There's a good question for you. I know this all can't always work directly in an office context. But are you leading people toward the kingdom? And I'm not saying trying to get everybody to pray a prayer that you meet. That's not evangelism. That's called being pushy. But do you say, do you show the beauty of the kingdom with that gift? Do you help and lead, lead a person just to maybe in just one step? Are you looking and being intentional about that? Or maybe you're a shepherd. Maybe you're, you're, you have a pastoral gifting. There's a, a lot of you who, who, who do, and here's, here's one way to know. This isn't the only way to know. Do people always just sit down in front of you and start telling you things? Are you one of those people that they sit down and you're like, oh, you're like, how you doing? It's so bad. And they just start crying and telling you life story. And you're like, maybe you're like that. I hope that you embrace that if you do. But maybe you haven't. Maybe you're just like, oh, gosh, okay. But if you have that gifting, how do you respond? How do you speak life into those who are offering you their heart? Do you nourish it? Do you, do you help them to lean toward Jesus? Or maybe you've got lots of experience and understanding. Maybe, maybe you're naturally like a teacher, but you're not sharing your wisdom. You're not sharing your understanding. Now that's another one you have to be careful not to be pushy about because that can get real old real fast. But have you been generous with your knowledge, with your understanding, with showing people and explaining to people about the world. I see a lot of you guys who have a lot of experience and look around, and I, this happens a lot of times. You're looking around going, man, people just don't know. And I wonder, why aren't you sharing? You might be right and you might be wrong. Don't get, seriously, you could be wrong. But why aren't you at least sharing? You're keeping it all bottled up, and a lot of teachers get really, end up getting really bristly and ticked off, and nobody's doing it the right way, but they never actually share their heart. These are ways. All of us have these things. And I want to ask you, are you being faithful to the gifting that God's put you in? Both at home and in your workplace. Your calling. Walk in a manner worthy of your calling to which you've been called. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs uh, to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, and through all, and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. 
You are called to one thing. You have the same calling as I do. Do you know that? You do. Your calling is not to be Tim Keller. Your calling is not to be Martin Luther King. Your calling is not to be Bono or Bobby Flay. Your calling is the same as my calling. It is to take your unique gifts and put them in the service of God's kingdom. That's what your calling is. It's not a place. It's not a destination. It's not a certain job. What are you called to? I'm called to be the superintendent of the school. Really, that's what you're called to? No, you're called to take what he's given you and be faithful where you're at and listen to his voice along the way. To take your gift and put it in service of his kingdom. That means to be faithful in the little things and be faithful in the big things. Are you doing that? You're called to be a blessing to those around you with the things that God has given. And guys, God's really given you stuff. Some of you guys don't know it, but God's given you stuff. I look around and I was thinking of all the amazing gifts that are right here in our midst. And some of you guys have no idea. And maybe those who have an idea as you look around need to share more often about the gifts that you see is one of the things I love about Jeff Starr. Jeff Starr's entire life is revolved around making sure that a person knows, knows that they have gold inside them. We need to do that more often with one another, I think, to help each other see these things. But we need to do this with ourselves, too. There's a lot of, like, whole, like, oh, I'm just not good at anything that just needs to go away. You know? It just needs to go away. The, God has given all of us all kinds of things. He's giving all, all of us talents, all of us burdens. And none of us are supposed to be a rock star. We're all called to just the one thing. We're all called to our one God, our one faith, our one kingdom. But we're called to use those things to, for the building of that thing up. Are you, are you being faithful in that? I want to challenge you this morning to re-examine this whole part of your life. This whole part of, you, of how you act in the workplace, of how you act with your friends, uh, how you act when you get out in public to be faithful with all that he's given you. Let's stand. You have the prayer servant team come? And the elders as well? You guys need prayer in any of this? Maybe you just need prayer uh, uh, to, to see those things, to see what he's given you. Maybe you just need to say, Lord, I'm sorry because I've been shortchanging you and your kingdom and not being faithful with what you've given me. Whatever it is, I encourage you to come and get prayer. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your generosity. And we ask now that you could help us to be faithful with everything you've given. Lord, we want to be effective for your kingdom to reach not only the ends of the earth, but the cubicle next to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Be blessed, you guys.